Guys, today's show we had Josh McCallan on and talking about hospitality investing. He is the owner of uh, an investment group that focuses on uh, hospitality, uh, hotels. It was a fantastic conversation. I just am amazed, Cameron. Again, and I think I said this at the end of the show, ways in which we can use business and entrepreneurship, especially real estate investing, for kingdom advancement. I'm so excited to listen to the show, but let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, it was it was just refreshing to hear another take on how God uses individuals' giftings and revelations to do business in a way that you know builds up people that supports those who can you support that makes much of God in the way we do business and treat those that we work with or that work for us. Josh is just a stud, a guy I want to be like in every way. I mean, uh, hospitality is an understatement with what he does. And I would even tack on a lot of humility as well. So yeah. it's just a fantastic reminder that, Hey, you know, we're all made individually, but in the image of God, and he can use all of our individual talents and gives us skills to make him known in the business markets here. Yeah. And just as a teaser, whatever your role is in your job right now, rather you're CEO, you're you're the the you're the executive assistant. You're the dishwasher. He he gave a definition of ministry in this episode. And I'll tell you what it is. He called it doing a simple task for a spiritual reason. And Josh is going to explain what that means. I think that was the most. That might be one of the most powerful five minutes of the entire season three that we have. By the way, and so uh, I hope everyone gets a chance to really sit down and listen to this episode deeply. So thanks everyone. I uh, hope you enjoy this show. Kingdom Real Estate Investors, if you have not gone to OneConnectionAway.com, then you don't know that we have been promoting and just finished a live 90-minute webinar where I shared the exact strategies and secrets that have helped me go from college pastor to full-time real estate investor and purchase more than $100 million of multifamily real estate. But not only me, I also shared the secrets and strategies of those inside of our Kingdom REI Mastermind that have helped them become CEOs to attain financial freedom, to actually leverage a business for kingdom advancement. We've gotten incredible, incredible reviews, and so we're going to do an encore coming up very soon that I want to invite you to attend. If you have not already attended this, go to OneConnectionAway.com. That's OneConnectionAway.com to grab your seat for our next live webinar so that you can learn exactly what we have to quit your job and begin to live life on your own terms through commercial real estate. OneConnectionAway.com. Let's get into the episode. Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom REI Podcast. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, with my co-host, Cameron Roy, who was gracious enough to actually let me spend a whole week at his house while I went to Dallas. Thank you, brother. Bro, it's so good to have you. You are welcome anytime to my house. It was a joy, and you uh, brought some good bourbon, so that was a big plus. I did bring some good bourbon, and I have to say, as two men who also love the Lord, we did skip church Wednesday and went to a wine bar instead. I don't know if we... <laughs> should ask for forgiveness or just celebrate a great time man but that was a really really fun week we had yeah the latter celebration for sure <laughs> well hey i uh i can i know you're just getting to meet our guest that's coming on the show today i've known him for a really long time a phenomenal entrepreneur doing something i think that is different at least from what i'm used to at least from what we've had on the show but i think truly truly kind of exemplifies and honors Christ. It's so cool to see a lane of work that is also clearly a ministry. And so I'm really, really excited to introduce everyone to our guest, Josh McCallan. How are you, brother? Woo! 
I couldn't be more excited. I hope I didn't pop your mic there. I've been dying to get on this show, Cameron. How did you get on the show before I got on the show? And I've, I've been begging this guy to get on <laughs> the Kingdom REI show for like three years, whatever. I you got to let him stay at your house. And then yeah. once you yeah. do that, don't yeah, charge exactly. him anything. That's you, how You know, Josh, happens. you said come to your resort. You've never, I've never got a ticket with a plane. You know, I've never actually, I love I've never guy. actually. The best Not part me. about you, Ellis, is you, you, that you have the confidence. Uh, you, you've, what, who wrote the book Chasing the Lion? Have you guys read Chasing the Lion yet? I have not. Nope. Oh, oh, well, then that's my first value bomb, as they would say. Seriously, Chasing the Lion about God sized goals is, is a manifesto that if anybody's in any kind of entrepreneurial or ministry work or charity work, please read Chase the Lion. I definitely have to do that. We have huge God-sized goals. I, I, I scare myself when I say them out loud. Guys, it's not about me, though. I'm so excited to introduce to Josh. Um, he is, by the way, he's got some really cool stuff. One of the things that, again, that I really like is the Renault Winery Resort. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, he is also the co-host of the Capital Hacking Podcast, another awesome podcast show that I've been had the privilege of being a guest on. And so, man, we got a lot of really good things to talk about. Josh, I know once we get started, we're not going to stop. So if you would, please, let me just pray for us and then we can get going. Sounds great. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for Josh. I thank you for just the ministry of work that he has and is doing. And I just, I pray that today would be an encouragement to all who are listening and just see that uh, entrepreneurship, building businesses, real estate is an incredible vehicle for uh, for kingdom advancement uh, in every arena, in every area. And I pray that it would be an encouragement to others listening. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Josh, give us a high level, man. I, you know, I, I shared a little bit, but can you yeah. share with our folks exactly kind of what your business model is and what you're doing in the real estate space? May I talk? Uh, can I give you one backstory on the family too first? Please. Is that, yeah. is that allowed? Take a look here. I know you probably don't do this as a video. Do you do these shows as video? Yeah, yeah YouTube. Audio? Go to YouTube. Right. Kingdom Real Estate Investor. Go, go to YouTube now. You'll see what 10 kids look like. My lovely wife there in the picture is the mother of 10 kids. Are those all yours? Yeah, that's what she always says. She always says, <laughs> first of all, she always says they're all yours, which of course, right? We're, we love each other for 25 years. But she also says, Josh, why you tell, tell everybody I'm the mother of 10 kids? You're the father. You're the father. <laughs> you always say it like, like uh, you didn't know who did this. But um, no, we're so happy. Did you guys start with the idea that you're going to have a lot of kids? We... Um, I'm blessed. She was from a big family. I wasn't. I have one brother, grew up in a tough financial situation, and my dad left. But she grew up in a great situation, you know, from struggle, but a loving marriage and a loving strong Catholic ties as well on her side. Yep. Yep. Yeah, just so such a beautiful story of a guy that just young guy at the time, uh, just did the right things, took one step together and just was loved the Lord and was awesome as a father. And that that family was my inspiration. So that's why we have 10 kids. They have 10 kids. Honestly, Josh, as long as I know you, I never knew you had 10 kids. That's um, Come that on, man. Awesome. That's uh, that's my calling card when I'm on stages at conferences. They always, uh, this is Josh McCown. Believe it or not, take a guess how many kids he has. You have 10 kids. It's, it's like, the, <laughs> I mean, think about like, if you can manage a household of 10 kids and still be married and still kind of work with a smile on your face, you got to be a decent entrepreneur. You know what I mean? Well, like, it's got to well, be, you got to be decent. Plus we've lost the business 12 years ago. And so, you know, once you lose something, you, uh, you have a really purposeful actions from that point forward. But I will tell you, we do team, we team, it's a team approach. So much like business, right? Where you have to have managers of managers, we have 
the bigs, the mids, and the littles. And the bigs are adults now, right? They're in the 20s, some of them. But the mids, that's like that sweet spot where they're like teenagers and they're in charge of the littles. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. That's so, I, I actually, I would love, we could do a whole podcast on parenting. I'm not because I want to talk about hospitality and let's what get you're into doing it. In the, in the, so, but, but we should come back to that. that would be great. Anytime, bro. I'm not, it's not something that we're proud to be, you know, uh, we're not prideful in the wrong way. We're, we're humbled by the fact that we are not great at it, but we are plugging away. And we have a couple old fashioned principles about how you treat people. And uh, when you do that at home, it does keep the family bonded. Now let's talk about business for one moment. Real blessed to have been through some challenges in life, but a couple good breaks, got to live in Europe for four years. I uh, was wanted to be a teacher, wanted to be a minister at first and did some of that, taught theology. But then I had a chance to go get an MBA and my career kind of changed. At one point, about 10 years into a career in hospitality, not in hospitality, but in university life and recruiting and sales, I said, I came up with this compelling call to become a land developer. And I just, I felt called to it. And I told my wife, I was going to do it. She's like, how are you going to get in the land development? You don't know anybody in land development. I said, I have an idea. Why don't I go become a lender? So I became a lender about 15 years ago and learned how mortgages work and then met developers and eventually fell into a family office situation where he was liquid. That person was liquid with capital, and we were able to build the dream of my life. We built beach houses, hmm. the fanciest beach houses of all time in the 2006 or so. And it was the craziest business. I was flipping $8 million houses, $12 million houses. The average one, though, was probably $5 million. And then the recession came. After the recession, I bought a business, lost it, and then found my way back into the family office life in 2012, his family office, and we took over a dilapidated hotel. That hotel uh, was something he had bought pre-COVID, pre-COVID, pre-recession, 08. And I said to him, let's use the Michael Gerber strategy and become house flippers for hotels. We'll be hotel flippers instead of house flippers. And uh, we came up with this strategy. What if we could build iconic loca- iconic properties where there, there aren't any right now, but we're all the, we're, we're in the Northeast. We're all the New Yorkers, Philadelphians, DC people want to go. And we said, there's a hundred dirt ball hotels. We could slowly but surely buy them all, right? And um, renovate them and turn them into a brand. And we did that. We went one by one. We got to three in a few years. And there's a long story here. And the crux of it that I want you to ask me questions about was we had, we were dead wrong. You, the truth was what we were trying to do, we thought of it in terms of flipping the building physically like you flip a house you make a beautiful kitchen you make a great bathroom you put new shutters on the front and everybody thinks you're smart and you sell it well when we tried to apply that strategy to running a mega resort business we fell flat on our face we hired third-party managers we said guys we gave you a brand new building go run it and we misunderstood how powerful hospitality was at first i just took it for granted restaurants beaches, beach bars, hotel rooms, all that cool stuff. I thought when you make it pretty and you hire managers, it'll just run. And uh, that third-party management was you know, experienced. They crashed and burned because of the stresses of running seasonal resorts and all that. I can tell you all the stories. Fast forward a year later, we ended up having to take over as the managers. This is before we hit success. And it was such a difficult experience of failure. 
so here we are, we built the building, we had a management group, they failed, we had to ask them to step away. Year two, you know, I step into the breach as this new uh, management company president, and we slowly but surely build a process to build to run these really complicated resorts. And we stumbled across a truth, an eternal truth, that hospitality is not a normal transaction. It is a spiritual transaction. And really, it's a beginning of a spiritual relationship. And hospitality done well can transmute love while you're selling cheeseburgers. Okay, done wrong, you could be selling a cheeseburger and people loathe you. And it's all about the intentionality. So what we learned was we, this is a little deep, right? But it was not easy. For years there, I had to like step in whenever managers would quit or restaurant people would quit or chefs would quit and hold the thing together. And meaning we're busy as heck in the summer. We're charging a lot of money, almost $1,000 a night sometimes. And guests are coming from Manhattan and they expect four-star, five-star service. Well, guess what? We're a bunch of college kids, <laughs> a couple of retirees and a couple of people from Europe trying to run your five-star resort kind of. And that, that mix of, of beautiful building, high cost, but servers and teammates that are new is an almost impossible recipe for success. And so instead of trying to be the world's best kitchen staff or the world's best restaurant management, we knew we wanted to be. What we tried to do is become the world's best trainers hmm. of the, the why, the W-H-Y, the why we do what we do. And so every single week we build a program that every single teammate, 300, 400, 500 people as we grew, had to go to training every week. And it would be like on a Thursday morning or a Saturday morning. And you had to learn the principles of hospitality. And we thought to ourselves, you know, you know what college workers are like. They're here and eight weeks later, they're back having fun in college. How can you get the best out of that college kid for a few months? How can you get the best out of that European kid or that older person? You can teach them why we do what we do and inspire them. And so therein lies my calling was, was hospitality uh, investing. So and great. We're going to get into the principles of hospitality because clearly, as you can already see if you're listening, is that, I mean, this hospitality is a spiritual gift. Clearly, this is a, a gift that Josh has either been given or, or built. I'm not quite sure. And this, that's kind of, what, before I get into that, that's what I want to ask you, Josh, like, you were an entrepreneur, you saw a business model, you were going to try and flip hotels or flip your resorts. Yep, that's exactly right. But then you realize, okay, I'm going to have to dive in more to do that. Like, I guess as I'm thinking, you know, that just sounds like a lot of work, honestly, to go <laughs> learn this business. And so was that a, you know, I'm curious just from an entrepreneur to entrepreneur was how much did you have to wrestle with? Do I really want to do this, you know, or was it really clear? Like, no, this I'm committed to this kind of, Briefly tell me about that decision to say, no, I'm, I'm going to go all in on this. You know, Alice, that's a deeper question than maybe you, you meant it to be. But there is a group of people that I travel with, the people who often do multifamily syndication, self-storage syndication. I'm really the only uh, large scale uh, ability for people to get involved in these kind of legendary assets through syndication. I mean, everybody else is in different niches. And there's groups out there that are all about outsourcing, you know, and using JV partnerships to run everything. And that's their calling. And that's great. That's the more like the financial independence kind of strategy. You know, I'm called really to be with people 
and, and to recognize the dignity of work. So our whole strategy is to run extremely successful operational businesses. So you're right. Not everybody's called to that. We are called to that. That is our passion. And we do have a lot. We have hundreds of employees today already in just a few years. So I should say that I, at about six years, we had become ranked as the 25th, seventh best hotel in America and, and all kinds of Wall Street Journal. And then we ended up building our own company. So there's this transition where now I'm the CEO of a, of a private group and we go out and buy these, renovate them, restore and revive the soul of the property and the teammates so that the guests have their soul revived. And that's what we're doing now and we're out buying properties every year. But the answer is, is I do personally feel that I didn't know it up front. I thought of myself as the passive investor, meaning quasi-passive. We'd buy them, we'd design them, we'd either operate, we'd have other people operate them or sell them. And yeah, by nature of a failure in 2012, of, of a crash of, a, of that operating company, we ended up saying, well, if we're going to save our butts, we're going to become an operating company. And it took us about two years to realize, wait a second, that was our ultimate call. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like a 10-year compressed life change, you know. Uh, but you asked the right question. And this is what we think we're here to do is to, is to create jobs as an operator that are life-giving to our teammates so that that same gift that we give to our teammates is transmuted to every single guest. And then the guests, of course, we hope we're doing a dent in the world. Uh, that's that's impression. really, really powerful. A couple of things here. I'm sure Cameron has a question or a follow-up, but you know, you said um, a couple of things I've already wrote down. Hospitality is a normal transaction. It's a spiritual transaction. That's so powerful that your goal of your group is to revive the soul of properties in order to revive the souls of your guests. What a mission. But the thing that really stuck out to me the most, and I want to point out here, and this is where I have such an issue, man, with with real estate as a goal for financial freedom. By the way, I'm not against financial freedom or financial independence. I think that's a fantastic goal to go after. I think real estate is a great vehicle to even achieve financial independence or financial freedom. What I what I think is so powerful about what you said, and I hope to kind of pull out of that, is like pick. Do you want real estate to actually be work in a ministry, or do you want real estate to be a goal uh, a vehicle for financial? independence because you can't have both man like and this is where i think is kind of lost in this world of real estate investing real estate syndication dude you know this cameron knows this this is not a passive business man like this is our our life our ministry our calling that we're putting everything into and it just is like i don't want to call it frustrating i think it's misleading sometimes when we say hey come learn this business of commercial real estate investing in order to achieve financial independence yeah, I mean, we're making more money than than we need, but dude, I'm not independent by any means. Like I've got more responsibilities today than I did as a college pastor running our business. And so, you know, I just think that's so important, man. I love that's why I love your heart of like, no, this is you might be financially independent, meaning the business pays you more than you'll ever need, but you are now a steward. You might even call yourself a slave to what God has called you to in a good way, of course. Yeah, so I just it's think a beautiful it's really idea. I'm, I, I would love to jump in there, but I got Cameron Roy over there. He, you, yeah, I, I, listen, I know when Cameron's doing something, man, so I'm like, yeah, I'm sure he's got something, but if you have a comment, go for it, or Cameron, jump in. Yeah, you got a comment, Josh. I got a question. Uh, no, my comment is, thank you, Alice. Thanks for getting to the heart of this. It's not a debate. I mean, everything, listen, there's the people who join our group as investors. We have a 
company called Accountable Equity, where people actually own these buildings with us. They do not have to go to work, right? <laughs> they don't have mm-hmm. to go to work with us to get their checks and they get really steady. In, in the, but what I did, what we did come up with, Ellis, that you'll like, is because we have the privilege of being owners of operators of hospitality assets, we do treat our investors to four times a year a private mastermind, you know? So they actually come and experience the teammates, the guests, the properties. And it was meant to be an immersive experience to see how much good is being done with their little dollars, you know, 50,000, $100,000, how much better it feels to know that the work we're doing is creating double digit yield, but, but it's actually putting good people, putting people to work. You know, work is a fact of life. I think it's a good thing. I believe we were built to serve. I think we're, you know, our, our heart is hard coded the way we were created by our creator to be for others. Our whole body is physically oriented around procreation. Our whole heart is oriented around community and family. This is our life, right? So we created a community of investors so they can see us doing that same thing with our workers, our teammates, and then our teammates doing that for our guests. I don't know. It feels really rewarding. This is the old fashioned main street investing where you actually watch your dollars build a building to employ people to make money. It's so cool, isn't it? Sorry. Amazing how that still works, right? That you can actually <laughs> make money that way. <laughs> yeah, it's so much better than buying Amazon stock for, for 10. 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's, the, it's the good old-fashioned stuff in life that still is invaluable. I thought about this when Alice said something about you the learned hospitality. I think about 1 Timothy 3 when uh, it's talking about the qualifications of an old overseer. Hospitable is one of those. And then you think, okay, well, I'm a hospitable person, but first Peter for be hospitable without grumbling. Oh, every time I'm hospitable, I grumble. And so am I really being hospitable? So my two best friends, they have boys. They're one's just turned one. The other one's almost there. And they're already like, it is ingrained in them that they are not hospitable. They got a toy. You touch it. It's on. And I'm crying and screaming and throwing a fit. Like what's mine is not yours at all. So I believe this is a learned character asset. And I'm just curious to know, like, especially with 10 kids, man, I'm sure the Lord is sanctifying you quick, brother. How have, like, where were you when you realized hospitality is something that is to be cultivated here in my business? It is to be put on this pedestal, to be praised, to be pursued. Were you in a place in life? I'm curious. I don't really know that well, but were you just called out like, Hey, you're not being hospitable or Hey, you were, or you saw in your business. Thanks for, thanks for that. And it was just like, we're going all in on hospitality across the board with everybody. Yeah. Jeez. If you don't mind, I do want to answer that uh, richly. The, the answer is there's certain people who are hardwired where they can't be anything but hospital hospitable. And I am one of those people, thank God. That was a gift from God. So no, I don't have to, uh, you know how we all have struggles. I have certain struggles. This is not one of them. So if I'm in a room and you don't know me and I don't know you and you're having a hard time opening the door and it's because you got to get bags out to the house, out of the house to go, whatever, I'm there. I'm like, yeah, I'm just hard-coded. I was always built that way, thank God. I grew up in poverty, but my mom was handicapped. So I was always like doing the laundry at five years old and stuff. Mm. So I just like working and helping people that that's though that came easy. But what, but what did happen was there was a paradigm shift in that second year of trying to build that first business for that wealthy family. Now, this is not the business I own today. When we stood there on the restaurant floor and watched 
emotions range from hate. I mean, it felt like hate if we messed up your dinner reservation or if you weren't going to eat for 30 minutes or if we messed up your food and you literally hate me to uh, we had a great dinner. Grandma's in from Manhattan and the kids are meeting up with her and she's giving me hugs because we got to come to Manhattan and see us. You're so great. You know, that radical range from hate to family familiarity. I was like, all happened at the dinner table. And so then I started scratching the surface of my traditional, my training as a spiritual person, as a Christian, I was like, wait a second, the dinner table, you know, every culture talks about how you, when you break bread, you're communing, right. On any level, whether it be any, any tradition, right. This is where you meet people's hearts. It's like, no wonder hospitality is pretty sensitive because we feed you and then beds, you know, this is where you fall asleep at night and you're very vulnerable. And of course, if you, treat people well there. If you don't treat them well there, they have like this anxiety, right? Whatever. So I did start to see all my life callings coming to a verge, converging, you know, loving to build buildings, but not caring, uh, but only really caring about the experience of each person in the building. Now we're making this very uh, theoretical, but it, it got really practical, Cameron, because once I realized it's a little bit of a hack. Once I realized that we could never be the world's best restaurant operator, because of course our staff changes every three months and our prices are astronomical. Like we could never, we were charging Ritz Carlton prices, but we weren't delivering Ritz Carlton performance. So how do you overcome that? You have to deliver the love. So what I, it was very, it, it happened naturally at first, but now we've been doing this for years and years and years, right? And now we are a much bigger operation. We're not as seasonal. We have tons of year-round staff now. And it still shocks my wife and I how focusing on the why. Why do we do what we do? What is our goal? Our goal is that at the end of the meal or at the end of the experience, they felt loved. All of the steps we do in between are for that, which is so natural to most people. Every culture, right? My staff are not from necessarily a Christian culture, but they all love these principles. We teach three principles in our training every week, Cameron. You want to hear them? Oh, yeah. take, these, take these principles and throw them into your business and they will change your business. And they're good for any company. We only hire people that enjoy their work. So joy of service. We won't let you on the team if you don't enjoy the type of work you're going to do. Okay, joy of service. Humility as a strength. Do you seek humility as a strength? Do you see the infinite dignity and worth in the others? And no, you're not perfect, but are you going to strive to grow in humility with us? And three, will you transmute your work into a ministry with us? And we say, we say this to everybody, our accountants, our dishwashers, our Spanish-speaking brethren and sisters that help us everywhere. doesn't matter what language. We translate and we ask, do you want to transmit uh, a ministry? And then we say to them, what's a ministry? And we came up with a definition from, you know, researching it. It means doing simple tasks for a spiritual reason so that the spiritual good is delivered. It's everything, right? I mean, every Thanksgiving that you've done a volunteer job at a soup kitchen, I, you know, I did this, you know, a few times, not a hundred times, but they make me brown bag cans of soup. That's what they tell me to do. I'm here. I'm here to do my ministry work. Then I go in the back bag up cans of soup. I'm like, okay, put names on them. Someone else is going to drop them off at the family's house. I'm like, okay. And then it's all over. And all I've done is brown bag soup. Why? It was never about the soup. It was never about the soup. 
It was about why we were doing it. it so that that person who's in a desperate situation felt the kindness and the love so that their souls and their hearts were uplifted and revived. So when you take that little perception, every one of our businesses can become a ministry. Now for yeah, us, it's, me, it's pretty cool. You know? That's I'm glad you answered my next question without me having to ask it. So thank you. But I'm curious over those who are listening. I think this will be a good moment, Josh, for you to minister to us. So um, for all of those listening, I, I think this is a great practice, man. I, I wrote this down. I love, I love your definition of ministry, doing simple tasks for a spiritual reason. So we're all listening, probably have a lot of tasks that we do on a day-to-day basis that we don't transmute as spiritual happening. So like, how do you help the dishwasher understand Thank or God see the that. spiritual impact of what they're doing or the so, maid who has to go wash the cheese? Yeah or clean up the vomit from the, you know what I'm saying? Like yep. break that down because I do a lot of stuff in my day. I'm sure people are listening and like, bro, I don't know how this is spiritual. <laughs> I'm going to answer it directly. And then I'm going to answer how we make it emotive and emotional for the teammate. So up front, we say there's a lot of gratitude in our weekly meeting. So our weekly meeting is four part weekly meeting. It's the same curriculum every four, every day, every week. It is not how to be a better server or how to be a better bartender or how to be a cleaner. It's about why we're doing this every week. It's the why we do what we do meeting. The first is we talk about who's in the room, WHO. And by doing that, and we have hundreds of people, right? I mean, every meeting is maybe 75 to 100 people. We do three per property. So here's we do the same meeting three times so that we catch everybody's schedule, morning, afternoon, evening, you get it. By recognizing what we do, I'm sorry, this is a deep answer, but when you, the who section, is where everyone shows their role and whether or not we can count on them. So I stand up and and my name is Bill and I'm Bill Smith and I clean the dishes and you can count on me. You have to answer the question. Can we count on you? What's your name? What's your responsibility? And can we count on you as a teammate? And so then we go through this whole thing. People show their personality. Some people make jokes, whatever. Some people sing. We get through the whole room. Now we know who's on our team. And we talk about how without you, we don't do this job. So now it all, it kind of creates a correlation of why you do the work you do. Okay. One, two. The second thing we teach is love, L-O-V-E. And I used to make a joke. People say the word love, like Kim Kardashian loves her new makeup line. I said, that's one way to use the word love. And then there's the way moms use love. Because we all know the love of a mother is sacrificial. And I say, that's the kind of love we're talking about. Like we're doing these small tasks, clean the bed. Why? So that they feel our love through the work, like the super cleanly room that you walk into and smells delicious. You feel it was somehow transmuted through this, this room even. And those ladies and men that walk down the hallway with their little carts and they see how happy people that walk in the room, they can now feel it back that they did their job. Now, now let's talk about emotive and how we do it in this, those four, four part, well, in the session once a week. We read reviews, we share wins, we share stories of ministry, and we try to have members of the team thank the other member of the team that made that possible. So it, what's really beautiful is the dishwashing team is often always thanked. The team that helped the dish team is always thanked. The people who surprised and cleaned up after a a backup in the bathroom and created a swampy mess, those people are thanked. And so it really does 
intentionally connect you back to how that affected the guest and the other teammates. And typically what's said in those sessions is I'm the manager or I'm a, a fellow bartender or waiter and Bill stepped in when I was backed up or when I screwed up and helped me get out of it. Bill, thank you for what you did. So what it's doing is creating, it's visualizing the web of love, right? So every one of those intentions, we just keep reminding them, why did you do that? So that you could be a better teammate and show, give that ministry. Now, I'll last summarize. I had a team, uh, I'm part of a group called DLP and I go to their mastermind events and all that with Don Wenner. And, and he talks to me, he, he challenged me to transmute my goals of hundred resorts and hundred properties in the next 10 years or 15 years. He said, transmute that down to, or transmit it down to why that's cool for each teammate. And I said, you know what, really what we're really doing by having massive resorts is we're counting up all the ministry moments. You know, every time you greet them at the front door with a welcome home, every time you make sure their room's clean, every time you get them a meal, every time you have entertainment that they love, each one of those moments touch their heart. Let's count them all up. It's millions, right? Because we're very successful, very big properties. We have thousands of guests a day. So you add it all up. It's like ministry moment, ministry moment. And you start to realize, wow, we're going to hit a million ministry moments in the next five years. Then we're going to hit 10 million moments of ministry. And it's just like little moments, you know? And that's pretty much what we live for in hospitality, right? <laughs> Is we want to just give that. It's a very much an outpouring. Now, take that and transmute it to your business. And it will change the way you appreciate your work, I think. Josh, yeah, one... I mean, I, go ahead. I was real quick to say, yeah, that easily. I mean, how you run and lead meetings. I mean, I think about that's, you know, multifamily. That's right. We could do the same thing in property management. Yes, like, there's just so many ways this trend, this, this goes. Cameron, sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. As you, as you were saying all of that, uh, I just, this quote came to my mind. Mother Teresa once said, do little things with great love. And I feel like that just has permeated you and your business. Yep. And it's just all those small innocuous moments of deciding to do something that seems mundane or not really a big deal with great love. And you create moments and environments like that where your entire team can start to draw the web of, hey, yep. I, that, I, there was a lot of love in that little thing you did. And I appreciate that because it helped me and it helped the team. So thank you for you know, taking that so seriously, even though it was small. So that's just awesome to hear, man. Remember Mother Teresa's story, right? If you know her story, she she's sitting there as a teacher teaching privileged children in, 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 this, in this area. She's compelled to go out in the slums where they're not Christian. They're, they're the people she went out to help. So there wasn't a, it wasn't necessarily about the Christian message that she was trying to articulate. It was so much more radical in a sense. And all she would do is the first steps she would do is hold the dying in the gutter. Just hold them. And then she would feed the dying in the gutter. And then she would try to nurture the dying in the gutter, none of which was sharing the gospel verbally. And they actually were not of her faith. They were Muslim most of the time or Hindi or whatever. She was transmitting a ministry through the most simple tasks. Hmm. And look who she is now. Look, and by the way, that's the power of humility. And humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, right? So we want the freaking best people on our team, man. We're not trying not to be great, right? We always say we want to have the best people in each department. Absolutely. You got to be a super performer. But we will 
like the performance will get better if we stay with our why is kind of the strategy. What, what's next, brother? I heard you say, not next, but what's the, I heard you say a yeah. thousand hotels. What, what is the, the vision? Yeah, I mean, our model works similar to a multifamily. We are currently, we do a lot of presentation speaking. Why? Because we want to attract the right investors. Typically, you know, first generation wealth builders that ha- don't believe in Wall Street want to have their money do real work. So we're building thousands of people into that database and, and we're trying to make sure that's ready. We had at the core, we have a whole leadership team called Viva May, French for Revive the Soul. That's our hospitality brand. That's our Marriott brand or Hilton brand, Viva May. And then, of course, we're, we're growing. Uh, we actually buy resorts and do construction. So we have a whole construction division as well. And when we buy things, we don't typically build from the ground up. We typically restore and renovate, which is kind of artistic and beautiful. And we have really talented people. That's why we call it reviving the soul of the properties, because we think these are the souls of the people that built them. You know, you guys know how hard it is to build a business and it leaves a little bit of your imprint on it. Well, these 200 year old buildings we buy or these waterfront things or whatever, they got a lot of heart in them. And we try to uncover the story, which adds the authenticity. There's a lot here, brother. It's a pretty deep business that we've been building over the last I've been writing these articles and these concepts for about 12 years. And then we've been coming to fruition as a group of investors over the last four years. So you are syndicating, you make it available for accredited, non-accredited investors to be a part of these projects or how does that work? It's accredited at this time, which, um, you know, I would love to find a way for it to be available to more people, but accredited investors only at this time. Great. And, and where is the best uh, place for folks to go and kind of learn about these opportunities? Yeah, that community, we have uh, almost 265 current investors at ac- accountableequity.com, Accountable Equity. That's the name of our community that meets every year, a couple of times a year, and owns all the real estate. We own all the real estate as a group. And if somebody wanted to go check out one of these properties, where do they go to kind of, you know, stay at one of your resorts? I'm East Coast right now. And some other time, ask me why, but we're, we're, we're going to continue to target the Northeast where we're really kind of quasi well-known in New York and Philly. We also are well-known in DC. I never even told you our secret to our business model is weddings. We tend to do weddings, creates contract revenue. We book up two years in advance. So we sit on mega cash flow even before the business is even finished being fixed up. Long story, we'll tell you some other time. The next major target, we hope to own several things from Dallas to Austin. That'll be area geography three. And we'll buy a whole bunch of satellite assets in those geographies around our top-notch staff so that we can keep our culture and strong. Uh, Dallas, that's where man Cameron is at. We're trying to buy some deals, so maybe there's some opportunity there. Yeah, I have one. Beautiful day, Dallas. I have one down there, buddy. We should talk sometime. Yeah, it's a good place. Josh. Absolutely did not disappoint, brother. Thank you for this amazing conversation. <laughs> couldn't couldn't wait to be here, buddy. I'm just so glad people like you are in Cameron or um, creating these platforms for other people to learn about how powerful direct investing is and and doing it for a purpose, right? Doing it with a yeah. purpose. Amen. Yeah, clearly, as you know, what a huge takeaway for me is I, I just love I love continuing. To, I'm always amazed. Always, always amazed. This is a guy who was a pastor and thought the best way to serve God was through vocational ministry. I just am always amazed and blown away just how how amazing and easy it is. Or I say easy, it's not easy, but how incredible a vehicle work is in businesses, entrepreneurship is to serve people and to honor God. So thanks for being a testimony of that today, Josh. 
Uh, Cameron, uh, I got We have to end this because uh, for time. But uh, brother, thank you, guys. Thanks for your listening. Show if you enjoyed this, please, please, please take a moment. We've done our role. We're creating great content. We're bringing on great guests like Josh. Josh showed up today. This guy's running a massive team to give you this content. All we ask in return is you please go take a screenshot of this episode and post it on social media. LinkedIn. Josh, you're on LinkedIn. I know you are. I see you all oh, the time. Big time. Facebook. Big time. Instagram. Just let people know this show was powerful and you need to go listen to this as well. We really greatly appreciate that. And while you're at it, leave us, leave us a five-star review on Apple. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.